the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. We love doing this. I apologize. I think I got bumped for a basketball game last week, but that's okay. We enjoy basketball. Hallelujah. We're back this week. We're continuing on our series talking about the five warnings of apostasy to the church, to the Christian Jews, uh, written in Hebrews. Uh, The first week we spoke about drifting away, found in Hebrews 2, neglecting so great a salvation, That was a danger that could lead to the apostasy. Number two was Hebrews chapter three, where it talked about developing a hard heart of unbelief. And there's a third one, which we're going to talk about today. And that is found in Hebrews five, verses 11 through 14, the last four verses there. And in Hebrews six, the first seven verses or six verses. And that's about inattention to the word of God failing to grow, immaturity, becoming stagnant. And this is the major condition of the church in America today. We're not studying our Bibles. We're not mature. We're not growing. And that can lead to apostasy. And the warnings that we find in Hebrews here uh, definitely speak of that. So this week, the focus will be danger from living in a church, being a Christian, yet you're not growing Stagnation will cause one to become ambivalent toward the things of God and unfruitful in the kingdom of God. Don't forget, the branches that don't bear fruit, God cuts them off and he burns them and they're cast into the fire. God is a serious taskmaster. Okay, chapter 5, verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say that are hard to be uttered, seeing you all are dull of hearing. Well, that's good news. Verse 12, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Verse 14, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, once again, some people think Paul wrote this. Some people think somebody else wrote it. I'm not sure who it was, so I won't say. I'll just say the writer. Okay, so this writer, he's uh, critiquing the Jewish Christians. He's letting them know, there's things I want to say to you guys, but you don't have a heart for it. You don't have ears to hear it. You're still stuck on the basics of Christianity. Your hearing has become dull. You know, we go to church and we are supposed to be trained by the truth for the truth. And if we don't do that, then we are insensitive spiritually to the things that God is trying to do. 
And it's very frustrating. Uh, your pastor should be speaking the truth to you. You're supposed to be speaking to you the truth about the gospel, the truth about Jesus. He's supposed to be speaking the truth to you about the warnings, about the dangers, about the future, the prophetic viewpoint of what's going on in America based on what the Word of God says, where we are in our prophetic timetable. You are to be getting the truth, the truth from the Old Testament, where God showed judgment, where God showed grace to the Jews, where God went to bat for them, where God punished them, where he warned them about the dangers of hanging out in an unbelief society. And we are supposed to know that truth and we're supposed to be hearing those truths, the truths that make us feel good, the truths that challenge us, the truths that rebuke us, the truths that want us, the truths that help us grow. We are supposed to be learning these from the pulpit. And of course, you uh, add to that by your own study time where you are rightfully dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So let's see, what do I got here? The problem here, the danger to the Hebrew saints is that they weren't growing. They were still immature. They hadn't used the word to the effectiveness of where it would create a spirit of discernment in them. They were stagnant. The writer spared no words in calling them out. Remember, speaking the truth in love, that's how we grow. People say, well, you got to speak love. You got to do love. Well, that's good, but you only grow when it's mixed with the truth. Speaking the truth in love that we may grow. Today's churches don't speak the truth, so we don't grow. Pastors and followers alike will share the blame, but you are required to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who's working in you both to will, to want to, and to do his good pleasure. That's on you. Your your shepherd is required to feed you the truth, God's word, and when that doesn't happen, Christians start feeding on the junk of the world. We develop carnal appetites, which lead to the neglect of the spirit. Carnality in the kingdom of heaven always leads out to death and to destruction. So he's telling you, partner with God. You know, I've got an example I want to give you. And it's found in verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age or of full age. They're old. Hallelujah. They're practiced. They're mature in the things of God. Even those who by reason of use, I want to focus on that phrase, by reason of use. You're supposed to be reading the Word of God so that you can use the Word of God. You're supposed to be reading the Word of God so that the Word of God can use you. Get that Word of God in you day and night. I wake up every morning. The first thing I do, I read my Bible. You know, it's like people say the most important meal of the day is breakfast. Well, bless God. Maybe it is. I really am not a breakfast guy. And, you know, doctors, a nutritionist, that's a better word, they say rather than eating three meals a day, you should eat six small meals a day where you're constantly feeding fuel into your system. And if you are not feeding correctly or eating the wrong things or eating uh, in a pattern that will sustain your body throughout 24-hour cycle then you're going to be what's called malnourished. You'll be malnutritioned. Well, most of the church, I think, is starving. We don't chew on the right things. We don't eat when we're supposed to. When are we supposed to eat the Word of God? All the time. Hallelujah. So we are partnering with God in His Word. That's what I mean when I talk about by reason of use. I got a friend, Cam. He's making a decision about whether to move positions. He's got a current job now, and another one's been offered 
better pay, better ministry opportunities. And so we've been praying for him and he's been praying for himself, but he's not doing this alone. The Bible says with God, all things are possible. So he's choosing to go ahead and partner with God in this decision. He says, God, where would you like me? He says, I know what I like. The money's more attractive. Uh, The pastoral opportunities, he's got a pastoral young man, got a pastoral anointing upon him, a pastoral call on his life. This uh, new position will offer him opportunities to minister one-on-one to people that just rebuilding their lives, coming out of broken homes and even prison, perhaps. And God's going to use him greatly in that. And But he didn't want to make this decision on his own. And that's what you do. The Bible says the peace of God, which passes all understanding, would mount garrison over your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Well, my friend knows that he's supposed to let the peace of God rule, R-U-L-E, in his heart. He's supposed to let the peace of God be the umpire in making decisions. You follow peace, John Osteen told us way back when you ever get out of the peace of God, you ever start walking into confusion, just go back to the last place you had peace, repent, and start over. Well, this brother is right there. He's in the peace of God. He's going to make his decision based on the peace. It's guarding his heart, and it's leading him and guiding him in the way that he should go. Basically, that is who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So he's doing this with God. And I love that. That's a sign of maturity. You know, Hebrews 6, 1 through 6. Now we're going to talk about there really shouldn't be a division of chapters here because the thought is still carrying. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 15. It talks about that they were immature, that they were studying the baby principles again when they should be getting strong meat. And Hebrews 6, verse 1, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity not laying again or revisiting the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. He talks about repentance. He talks about faith towards God. These are important. They are are imperative for you to know them. And yet this is part of your foundation. You don't stay there. When you're building a foundation for the house, you don't move into the foundation. You build upon that foundation, a completed building. The writer then encourages the saints, go ahead, move forward to maturity. Move towards that maturity, seek that maturity, focus on that maturity. When we stay as babes, we have little, if any, discernment towards judging between right and wrong, good and evil, God and Satan. It's the reason Christians can vote for baby killers. It's the reason Christians can support sexually perverted lifestyles. It's the reason church leaders can't tell the judgments of God from the attacks of the enemy. Immaturity leads to a church that has no courage. It leads to a carnal church, a church that compromises. It leads to an unfruitful church. And if church is unfruitful, then why are we bothering to attend? It leads to a church that's going to be open to all kinds of spiritual deception and false doctrines. Writer continues, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2 of the doctrines of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. The writer calls these all foundational truths. He says these aren't heavy-duty college-level doctrines I want to talk to you about. This is your foundation. Once again, he refers to the foundation of the doctrine of Christ, uh, laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism of the doctrine of laying on of hands, the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This is your Christian 101 foundation. 
The writer then refers to these basic Christians as foundational and of great importance, but he doesn't want you to stay there. It's time to move on. These other truths need to be built upon this foundation, so it's important, but don't stay stuck on the foundation. Here's the warning. It's coming. If Christians do not go forward, they invariably go backwards. Did you hear that? If you are not going forward, you are going backwards. The writer chastised them for not going, not taking the word seriously, and then he warns them of the potential for apostasy. In verse 3, he says, And this we will do, if God permit. He said, This I'm going to do right now, if the Lord allows it. And of course, the writer will then allow God's Holy Spirit to direct his next comments. And guess what? Wouldn't you know it? These next few verses are great in importance. Yet today's carnal church has assaulted these verses. They don't like these verses. They don't preach about them. They're hard, man. Probably these verses are going to be the most damning, the most uh, challenging for you to hear in the entire Bible. They talk about your salvation. They talk about the apostasy. Today's carnal church, we're actually shunning these people that teach these doctrines. We are uh, saying, well, no, no, this violates the once saved, always saved doctrine. Therefore, they don't apply to us today. And they make all sorts of excuses. Well, the writer wasn't writing to the church or these people hadn't been saved. Or I'll get into this in a minute just to show you just the fallacy of the case that they make to prove that these aren't real dangers to the church I'm not going to waste a lot of time proving this. I'm just going to take a quick look at the current assault by some of the proponents as they attempt to defend their positions. Charles Ryrie has some pertinent comments here, and he talks about the fact that the Arminian view, which is, I guess I would have that view, we hold that people describe to these verses he was writing to Christians. And I don't see how you could say anything, but it's over and over and over and over. And yet we take a lot of abuse from most mainline preachers because they hold the Calvin view that once saved, always saved, that you cannot lose your salvation. They'll say these truths, the falling away is from the knowledge of the truth. It's not falling away from personal salvation. Well, let me prove to you that that's wrong. (laughs) Let's just let the word speak to us. I'm big on this, man. I don't care what man says. You know, when Jesus, I'm going to teach on this, I think, Saturday in our Bible study, but when Jesus uses the word beware, your antenna need to go up, right? If Jesus is going to tell you to beware of something, I'm stopping what I'm doing. My antenna's up. I'm looking around. I got my spiritual ears on. Lord, what should I beware of? One of the things that he says to beware of is the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. He goes, they've got their own doctrines. He goes, beware also of man. Man's got his own doctrine. Read the Bible. You don't even need me to tell you what's going on. You've got the Word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit of God living inside you. If you have a heart for hunger, a hungering heart, God will reveal himself to you through the Word of God. But let's prove right here that those who believe that the writer is not speaking to the church with some of these warnings that I'm going to give you in a second, with some of these judgments, let's just see what the Bible has to say. Hebrews chapter 6, verses... Verse 4. Remember, in verse 3, he said, This we will do if God permit. This we will do what? We will go on to the meat of the word if God will permit. And then in verse 4, he gives you what the Holy Spirit has told him to say. He says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift 
and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So these guys are saying, basically, I mean, that's nasty. And you you don't need any help to misunderstand that. It's talking about the church. It's talking about the church not growing and the danger that will overtake the church if they continue to remain stagnant. Let's break it down. First, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Okay, people who are enlightened, they are not the world. They belong to the church. God enlightens them. He is the light of the world. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and he lightens your spirit. He actually gives life to your spirit, man. Right now, if you are not saved, born again, then your spirit is dead to the things of God. But when you receive Christ, when you repent of your sins, when you acknowledge his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, all for you, and you wish to receive him as your Lord, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside you. And suddenly your spirit man is now alive to the things of God. You can read the Bible and understand it. You have a relationship with God. You open up the Bible and God speaks to you. I remember when I got saved, I opened up the Bible. I read the Bible through four times my first year. I wanted to know what God was talking to me. Cover to cover. It was either three or four times. I think it was four times. I read it. I wanted to know, God, what are you talking to me? My spirit was alive. Well, that's what he's saying here. It would be impossible for those who were once enlightened. I was enlightened. It would be impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. What is the heavenly gift? The heavenly gift is Jesus. So these people, they were enlightened. They had tasted of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Well, how do you become a partaker of the Holy Spirit of God? Well, that could be referencing communion, or it could mean that God has placed his Holy Spirit inside you. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. He is the agent of salvation. Hallelujah. And so they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and they have tasted the good word of God, and they have tasted of the powers of the world to come. He goes, all of those Right there. Now, that defines someone who's in the church. That does not define someone who doesn't know God. I'm sorry. And so these believers, these Christian believers. Oh, did I forget to read that verse also? Let's see. It's Hebrews chapter 3, and it's verse 1, and it proves to you who he's writing to. There it is right there. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Well, that tells you who he's writing to. Holy brethren. I don't think that refers to anybody else but the church, born-again believers. So let's just get that settled. But look at this here. Let me further prove it to you that he's writing to believers. It would be impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. It says it right there. If they shall fall away. Fall away from what? Well, you're either falling away from what? The truth. You're falling away from your faith. You're falling away from Jesus Christ. Salvation. Well, it would be impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. So it says right here that they have been renewed by repentance. So then it says you can't do it again. So he's not talking about, you don't get renewed to the faith. You don't get renewed to the truth. You get renewed to salvation. 
And the only thing that requires repentance, I don't have to repent to hear the truth. I don't have to repent for my faith. I have to repent for my salvation. Okay, the Bible says it was the gospel of repentance that brought salvation. It's the gospel Jesus preached. It's the gospel John preached. And it's the gospel that Paul is still preaching. Hallelujah. And it's the gospel your pastor should be preaching. So basically, these people are Christians. And that's who he's writing to. Verse 7 and 8, I'm going to give you this out of the New American Standard Bible because it was a little difficult to understand. But verse 7 and 8, it talks about the fact that uh, these guys were sitting in their churches. They were sitting in Bible studies. They were hearing the Word of God. They were in the environment of Christendom. And he uses the analogy of rain falling on the ground. Verse 7, for the ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it, and produces vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled and fertilized, for that ground that drinks in the rain, it receives the blessing from God, and it bears fruit. Amen. These people should have received the blessing of God. They sat under the ministry of the Word of God. They were born-again people. They had the Holy Spirit inside. They partook of the powers of heaven. They had received and tasted of the heavenly gift. They were partakers of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. And it talks about the fact that just like the rain was pouring on the earth to make it produce good fruit, so too have these people been feeding on the word of God to produce good fruit. But then the writer writes in verse 8, but if it yields thorns and thistles after it's received the rain, after it's received the blessings, then that land is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burnt. Well, that's the danger to these Christians who are not growing. It says you've had every advantage. You've got the ministry of the Holy Spirit and all of these other things. You're surrounded by the brethren. You've got a pastor hopefully preaching you the word of God. Don't forget, it says they were enlightened at one time. So they got off to a good start. Those who have tasted, they got off to a good start. Those who were made partakers, they were included in the family of God. So these folks, the ones who are talking about, they've had three experiences Enlightened, tasted, and partakers. And so what's the concern here? You know, they tasted the word of God. They ate God's word. They dined on the word. They fed on the word of God and the powers of the world to come. You know, as I'm studying this out, I am so frustrated with these commentators who believe once saved, always saved. That's not what the scripture is teaching. They are literally falling all over themselves to get the scriptures to conform to their doctrines. I find it embarrassing, frankly, as a Christian. If we would forget what we know or want to know, or if we forget what we believe that we've been taught by man and just let the scriptures speak to us, there would be little confusion and there would be no debate. In verses 4 and 5, there are five descriptions of people beyond any shadow of a doubt that sound like Christians to me, yet there is little interest in believing what's written as it's written. Why? Because they don't like this next verse. Verse 6. If they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Oh, boy. You know, if they fall away, fall away from what? The faith, the truth. No, they fall away from Jesus to renew them again into repentance. It's impossible to do that. Repentance is the very first step in becoming a Christian. One doesn't need to repent to get faith or truth, but one most definitely needs to repent to get saved. And it says, renew them again. It's already happened. It happened to them one time. These people who run the risk of falling away because of immaturity are most definitely born again Christians. Again, you don't need me or anybody else to misteach this to you. You read the Bible. You pray the Holy Spirit of God would open your eyes that you would behold wondrous things out of thy law. And then you read the Bible. 
Shut man off. Get him away from you. Once again, Jesus said, beware of men because they're going to teach you lies. They're going to make merchandise of you. Just be careful. It should be you and the Holy Spirit. When I sit down to do my Bible studies, it's me, the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God. After I'll study for a while, I've got questions, I'll maybe go to a commentary and look at it. But I do not base my doctrine on their commentaries. I base my doctrine on the Word of God and what they've said. We can get all sorts of trouble by forgetting one simple truth regarding Hebrews. It was written to Jewish Christians. If they will just read it as it's been written, they'll have no problems with it. Jesus said, uh, Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. Your life, your spiritual life, your sustenance for your spiritual life is the word of God, not the commentary, not the preacher. No, the word of God. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let me pray for you. I want to protect you. I want to guard you. We're going to come back with the fourth warning in Hebrews next week. Father God, I thank you for my friends, my brothers and sisters, hopefully my family, Father God. I pray that they would study to show themselves workers who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, Father God. I pray that they would desire the sincere milk and the meat of the word of God, that they would grow, speaking the truth in love. That's what we've done tonight, that you would grow thereby. Father, surround them with men and women who will love them, who will encourage them, who will speak, thus saith the Lord, who will preach the word of God to them. Father, separate them from those that are out for their souls. Take them out of false ministries, O God. Deliver them, Father God, from every evil. Protect them, Father God. I pray that you draw them closer and closer by the power of your word, Father God. Perfect that which concerns them, that you would be glorified in their lives, that they would bear much fruit for the kingdom of God, and that their fruit would remain in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.